Okay. Hello, today is January 21st, 2024. We are reading from the big book of AA, pages 92, starting with continue to speak, up to and including page 93, your prospect may belong. Ellie will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Hillary. So Ellie, will you please read that? Yes, good morning. <clears throat> My name is Ellie, and I'm grateful to be in recovery and to be with you today. Um, continued to speak of alcoholism, uh, continue to speak about alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of the body and mind which accompany it. Keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. Explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. Doctors are rightly loath to tell alcoholic patients the whole story unless it will serve some good purpose. But you may talk to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. You will soon have your friend admitting he has many, if not all of the traits of the alcoholic. <clears throat> if his own doctor is willing to tell him he is alcoholic, so much the better. Even though your protege may not entirely admit his condition, he has become very curious to know how you got well. Let him ask you the question, if he will. Tell him exactly what happened to you. Stress the spiritual feature freely. If the man is agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he does not have to agree with your conception of God. He can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. The main thing is that he is willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he may live by spiritual principles. When dealing with such a person, you had better use everyday language to, uh, to describe spiritual principles. There is no use um, arousing any prejudice he may have against certain theological terms or conceptions about which you may have already been confused. Don't raise such issues, no matter what your own convictions are. Your prospect may belong to a religious denomination. His religious re, uh, education and training may be far superior to yours. In that case, he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. But he will become curious to learn why his own convictions may not have worked and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. Let him see that you are not there to instruct him in religion. Admit that he probably knows more about it than you do, but call his attention to the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it and he could would or he could not drink. Perhaps your story will help him see where he failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. We represent no particular faith or denomination. We are dealing only with general principles common to most denominations. Thanks, Ellie. Next up, we are going to have a, our speaker, Hillary who will share for about 20 minutes on what was just read. Hillary, do you need time? Do you need any prompts to uh, tell you when 20 minutes is up? 
um, I'm timing myself. Okay. But well, I'll ask you just in case to give me a five minute warning at the, when there's five minutes left. Sure. Sure. And we don't stress over the time. So, but I will, I'll let you know. Thank you. Okay. Thank Go you. ahead, Hillary. Okay. Hi everybody. I'm Hillary. I'm in California and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And, uh, I never knew what that word meant. I never would have used it on myself. So I express it now because it means a lot to me. It doesn't mean um, I've arrived. It means one day at a time. I'm not for having to force myself and white knuckle not to eat my alcoholic foods. That's huge. So it all started... Many years ago, when my granddaddy came across the country in a covered wagon, just kidding, just kidding. So I've been in OA a very long time to have eight and a half months of entire abstinence. My I first came in in 1981. So you see, there's a lot of time where I didn't have abstinence. So... Um, I'm going to, I decided I was going to share, uh, like it tells me in this passage, to share with somebody new or a new prospect. And um, so an alcoholic, alcoholism, compulsive overeating is an illness. My issue has was always, all those years from 1981 to 2000 and uh, <laughs> 2000 and just last year, 2023. Um, um, I didn't really think I had the illness. And I know that the illness is, um, oh my gosh, let me, let me say a prayer. The allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. So the if the allergy of the body says, I can't stop eating once I start. And if the obsession of the mind says, I can't stay stopped, then I'm hopeless. Hopeless. It really was the pandemic <laughs> During the pandemic is when I had my biggest, biggest low bottom relapse. Before that, I just wasn't really working it that much. I just was willing to give up sweets. I would tell myself I'm not that bad. I don't have to do what everyone else does. I don't have to work as hard. I, uh, I, I have a very, this is what I used to tell myself. I have a very deep meaningful spiritual life and that's really what the program's all about so you see i kind of got this so pay no attention to that man behind the curtain right where i'm i can't stop eating sweets i can't stay abstinent longer than at the most six weeks at the most off sweets uh pay no attention that i can't get along with my husband or any of the husbands i've ever had uh pay no attention that i'm restless irritable and discontented 
almost every day. And during the pandemic, uh, when we had to be isolated, every, you know, almost everyone I knew was complaining, oh, I hate being isolated. Oh, it's so hard being isolated. I loved being isolated. I loved the isolation. And that's when I started. I had not, I was healed in the way I was in, out, in, out, in, out of the program from 1981 to 2020 to, uh, um, I had, I had learned a couple things. I had received some gifts, like I quit binging. Uh, I quit eating in secret. I, um, I, I got a higher power. So those things gave me enough recovery to satisfy me to be like, whatever, I'm good. I'm good. But, uh, during the pandemic, all I, I started eating in secret again. I um, I uh, bin, started binging like crazy. I ate, I shopped, I went shopping just for my alcoholic foods and brought them home. All the behaviors I hadn't done in a long time. I loved the isolation because I could do that again. And I hit a very low bottom like I've never hit because I gained more weight than I ever had um, I, um, this is crazy that my brain keeps shutting down like this. I'm telling you, don't ever turn 72. I'm telling you that right now. Huh. So, um, I just, uh, my my doctor had told has been telling had been telling me for five years you're going to be diabetic you're almost there blah 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 your cholesterol my you know I was getting closer and closer to diabetic ignoring the doctor and I I had heartburn bad heartburn every day for three years my eating was out of control I got so destructive in my eating and um and I. And I needed to, um, I didn't care. I, I need. I would tell myself, well, I'm going to become diabetic. That's a given. Uh, I don't care if I become decrepit from diabetes. I don't care if I die early because of col high cholesterol, stroke, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I don't want to, but I'm, I'm not going to give up the food. And then my next thought was, oh, but I don't want to give up my grandkids. Oh no, they bring so much joy to my life. And my very next thought was, but oh well, like if they gotta go, they gotta go. Cause I'm not giving up the food. The food is the only thing that brings me joy, excitement. The food eating is the only fun I have. It was just, it had become my everything. And I was in, I just, my world had gotten small. I was in a dark place and, um, I knew uh, when I had that thought about, but oh, well, with the grandkids, it's like, maybe I can get some help. I know OA won't help me. I've been doing it all these decades. It hasn't helped me yet. But I heard about this workshop that someone that someone that you may have heard of named Kim G was giving on step one powerlessness. And I knew that wouldn't help me. But I, but I had enough desperation, misery, and willingness to say, I'll try it. I'll try it. 
it changed my life. It changed me. I heard her. I heard the message of hopelessness. I heard the message of what the disease really was. It snapped me out of my denial that I'm not as sick as other people, that I'm different. It's, it's, it just helped me see reality and it gave me hope that there's a way out. And so um, people in that workshop uh, recommended some meetings. I went to one of those meetings and it, and it lit me up inside just being in the meeting, the honesty that people shared, the, the, the joy they had of recovery. It was just so it felt like the old time OA, like OA used to be when I first went with a lot of recovery and a lot of people really motivated and experiencing recovery. And so today, so um, before I had gotten to where I've always been this way, but it got worse where I focused on the negative. I focused on the negative. I only saw the negative. Everything in my life sucked. Like, I don't have the right husband. Um, I need more money. I don't have enough money. I, I, I can't stand my body. I don't have the right body. I could be happy if only I had the right husband, more money, a good body, the right body. Um, I'm too old. Aging is so miserable. It and there's nothing I can do. Just be miserable till now, till I die. And uh, people don't give me enough credit for all my gifts. People should recognize my gifts more regularly than they do and compliment me. I I don't like saying that. It seems it feels like yeah, just so self centered and and all the mistakes I made in all these years that I've lived have ruined my life. That's how I thought. That was my basic thinking. But this time I came in, I worked the steps with a sponsor. I heard of, I had never even heard of entire abstinence. I did a sober uh, a alcoholic foods worksheet. I, um, didn't touch my alcoholic foods, not just sweets, but other things, uh, plenty of other things that I never would have given up. And um, so for all this time, eight and a half months, I've been entirely abstinent from my alcoholic foods. And my whole life changed. So after only three days, three days, that's so unbelievable, of entire abstinence the darkness I was in lifted it just lifted I didn't let I didn't do anything but just not use food and um this is the way I see it that um you know when you're an alcoholic I'm also an alcoholic and you drink for days and days and days and you're just taken over by alcohol, then you become a whole different person from the real person you are. And that's what happened to me with food, because I had been eating for three years, living on sugar, salt and fat. And I just became, do you ever, 
if you remember the Little Mermaid movie, the first one with the cartoon, and there was Ursula the Sea Witch, and she was huge, and she would capture these people and make them her, her slaves. They, they couldn't think for themselves. Well, that's I became one of those uh, from food. Food was my Ursula the Sea Witch, my master. And I was just dead. I was dead. So it just was lifted in three days. Three days of no alcoholic foods. It was a miracle. But that wasn't my whole spiritual awakening. That was only after three days of abstinence. And I, you know, I had, I worked the steps and all that. And those negative things that I shared with you about the wrong husband and the wrong body and growing old is miserable and all that stuff. Um, I want to say, I don't want to forget any of it. So like my husband, once again, was sent, I got to see once again, uh, like I did when we met, that he was sent to me by my higher power, and he's perfect for me. And I got to see all the all of his gifts and the gifts that I get because we're together that I would lose if I if I left him. He's husband number three. I'm gonna leave number three. Also, the money that I get without having to go to work, I have a retirement. It's wonderful. It it supports me. I'm I I'm I could be self-supporting even without my husband. Of course, with my husband, we have a lot better. I have a lot better quality of life. My body is a gift from God, and I'm so grateful for all my body does for me. Still at this age, my body's functioning. I can walk, I can drive, I can think, even though I have these times that my brain kind of freezes up I'm so grateful for everything I can still do at this age um my friends care about me how dare I think that they don't recognize my gifts when they they love me in spite of my faults in spite of my many 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 flaws and issues and that I'm self-centered and and uh they care about me and I enjoy their company and I love them. They're delightful and they treat me with dignity and respect. All the mistakes, instead of making my life miserable, I see all the mistakes I have made. Many, many uncountable, infinite, feels like mistakes have taught me so much and have made me the person I am today, who I like. And because of those mistakes, other people can connect with me because I'm fully flawed. I'm wounded. I'm broken. I had a, you know, a destructive childhood. But I have to say before I close, I used to know for a fact that I'm a compulsive overeater because of that childhood. My mother was anorexic bulimic. My father was totally obsessed with fat and weight and criticized us kids for being so fat when we were still small. And Five minutes I, left, Hillary. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
and um and I blamed them and you know and then there was spousal serious spousal abuse my father against my mother and I couldn't stand my mother it was all her fault that my dad beat her because she doesn't listen to him and if only she would listen to him like we do we wouldn't have these problems it's so sad to me when I think about that, that's how I saw it. That's how I saw it. And my mother was a good person, a nice person. And um, I couldn't see that. There was sexual abuse. There was um, just all kinds of mess. But whatever, we all have, we all have problems with our child from childhood, we all have child issues. Maybe mine was worse than some. My, for sure, mine wasn't nearly as bad as many, many others. And um, thank goodness I have recovery. But the reason I'm a compulsive overeater is because food worked for me. I was born that food. I was, the you know, I, re I can remember back to eight years old. That's when we moved from Virginia, where we were surrounded by family, to California, where we were just alone. I did have siblings. I do have siblings, so that helped. But it, I didn't fit in. I had a Southern accent. I got teased, blah, 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 whatever. I just, that's when it began, and food worked. Oh, I just loved food. I loved Milky Way bars. I loved Baby Ruth's. I loved a lot, a lot, a lot of things. I loved macaroni and cheese, sugar, salt, and fat. I loved fat on meat. Oh, a lot of my, my people I know just gross out at it. I love it. And um, so here I'm going to. So, uh. That's why I'm a compulsive overeater. I don't get to blame my family. I don't blame my parents for anything. My parents did the best they could. They were broken and wounded. They didn't have any 12-step programs. My poor mother didn't have any way to practice self-care and not allow her husband to physically abuse her till she was 80 years old. I have all this. And um, because of recovery because of the 12 steps I get a freedom today where I can be okay warts and all I'm not perfect I haven't arrived it's one day at a time I can't rest on my laurels my past successes I can't rest on the previous eight and a half months I just have today and um, that's really more than enough out of me and thank you so much for your kind attention and thank you for asking me to speak. It's an honor. Thanks, 